This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I am World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. On November 11, 1918, what was then known as the Great War ended. One year later, President Woodrow Wilson called for Americans to mark November the 11th as a special day of remembrance for those who fought for freedom. It was known then as Armistice Day. Now it's called Veterans Day. Among those who serve the country in uniform are members of the Chaplain Corps. Chaplains have been with the American military since the days of the Revolution. Since the nation's founding, 419 chaplains have paid the ultimate sacrifice, while eight have been awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor, the highest award the country can give to a member of the military. The history of the Lutheran Church and the military also dates back to the nation's founding, when Pastor Henry Muhlenberg joined the Patriot cause. Missouri Synod chaplains have served since the Civil War, shortly after the Synod's founding, and have been a presence in the military ever since. Pastor Craig Mueller is the LCMS Executive Director of the Ministry to the Armed Forces. He's my guest today on World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. I'm Sarah Golseth with news in brief of interest to Lutherans worldwide. Real estate developer and television personality Donald Trump made history Tuesday, winning election as the 45th president of the United States without ever having sought or held public office before. Two high-profile amicus briefs were filed with the U.S. Court of Appeals on behalf of coach Joe Kennedy, a high school football coach who was fired for taking a knee at the 50-yard line and offering a brief private prayer after high school football games. One of the briefs is on behalf of two football coaches at Garfield High School in Seattle. The second brief is by two NFL players, Steve Largent, a retired Seattle Seahawk and member of the NFL Hall of Fame, and Chad Hennings, a retired Dallas Cowboy and three-time Super Bowl champion. Usted está escuchando el resumen de noticias Mundo Luterano. This is World Lutheran News Digest. I'm Kip Allen, host of World Lutheran News Digest. We are approaching Veterans Day, and one thing that all veterans should know is that the Lutheran Church has been involved in the chaplaincy of the military from the very inception here in the United States. I with me today, the Reverend uh, Craig Mueller, who happens to be the head of the Mission to the Armed Forces. Craig, welcome to the show, and uh, tell me a bit about yourself and your service. Well, thank you very much, Kip, for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. Uh, myself, as I am a retired Navy chaplain after uh, 28 years of total service, but the last 24 years were active duty and retired two years ago, almost to this date, in uh, out of the Pentagon and the Chief of Chapel's Office for the Navy, and then took this position, call, accepted the call to be director for the Ministry of the Armed Forces for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. So now my role is basically to recruit chaplain, uh, pastors to serve as chaplains, but also to serve as the liaison with the Department of Defense to endorse our active duty and reserve chaplains who are serving now uh, in the military 
military. So we have to have that kind of connection with the Pentagon to ensure that our chaplains are protected as uh, Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate pastors, also as they serve as military officers. Well, going back a little bit in history here, uh, can you tell me a thing about the uh, the history of the Lutheran Church and the chaplaincy? I understand that one of the very early ones happened during the Revolution, where there was a uh, pastor who got up before his congregation and takes off his robes and reveals a uh, Continental Army uniform, saying that this is God's will. I have to do it. Yes, yes. I, that uh, we've had uh, Luther chaplains. Yes, since Muhlenberg, which would have been the Revolutionary War. Of course, the the Missouri Synod when we were formed in the eighteen hundreds by uh, with with CFD Walther. And I'll let the Lutheran historians get better at that. But Walther did endorse the first Missouri Senate chaplain for the Civil War when we were actually a uh, Missouri Senate was beginning its foundation in the eighteen hundreds um, to serve uh, for the Union. And he was the first one that got the endorsement from Walther that said he is a bona fide Lutheran pastor who can serve in the military as a chaplain. So it goes back to the Civil War, but Lutheran-wise, even back to the Revolutionary War because of our doctrine of the two kingdoms and understanding the importance and role of religion in all of our vocations, even the vocation of soldier, sailor, airman, or marine, or coast guardsman. And Luther was very uh, was very explicit about that, that we do have our vocations, and these, as, and these are part of our duties to God. And this includes the, the role of the soldier, the sailor, the warrior, to fight in God's cause. Absolutely. In fact, you really go back to it, uh, since we're in the 499th year of the Reformation, back when Luther wrote a little booklet called Soldiers Too Can Be Saved. So even then he received uh, questions from his soldiers back there serving in Germany who were questioning their faith, you know, because of battle and the mayhem and the death and the killing and all the immorality around it because of the uh, some soldiers obviously would go above and beyond the law of war, what we would call it now. And so they would question their own faith. Can I serve as a soldier and still be a Christian? And Luther wrote this wonderful booklet that soldiers too can be saved. And, And we still see a lot of that even today when we answer the conscience questions that some of our Lutheran men and women have as they serve our our nation. So vocation clearly is an important role and a part of what God has called us to do. As you pointed out, Missouri Synod Lutherans have served in the armed forces really since the uh, since the inception of the Synod during the Civil War when they were endorsed by C.F.W. Walther himself uh, and has gone through history up until the present day. Uh, chaplains are often casualties of war. How many have we lost, do you know? I only know of... Uh, one that was actually missing in action that we've lost that's actually in combat during World War II. We were just going through. We have a book called They Shall Not March Alone, which tracks uh, you know, all of our chaplains. Uh, we have had chaplains uh, killed, um, but I'd have to go back, and I'm sorry I don't have the actual facts on that, but I could uh, certainly get that information. But we are definitely in harm's way with them because we are part of the unit. So our chaplains have always gone uh, wherever our men and women have gone in, in, uh, in battle. I was at the convention, the uh, triannual convention up in Milwaukee, and they had a very, very touching dinner and commemoration for chaplains. And they had this table that was set up, a very symbolic 
Uh, could you describe the table? Oh, sure. I think what you're referring to is the POW MIA table. Absolutely. That yes. was it. Yes, where every uh, item on that uh, table symbolizes that we'll never forget our comrades who can't be with us, whether they're prison of war or still mission in action. You know, they just haven't been accounted for. As you'll see on the news every once in a while, they'll identify remains, mm-hmm. whether it's in Vietnam or somewhere in Europe, and finally can put the closure to it for the family. So traditionally, the military does have a table they call the MIA POW table where they have uh, different symbols and probably too much time here but if anybody wants to look it up it clearly every piece of gear as we would say on that table means something to just to call us to attention and remember that we even though we're having a banquet and a party we have comrades who can't join us. Yeah, there was uh, salt to represent how bitter it is and there were lemon and I remember that it was very very touching. Yes. Let's take it down to the present day. What does a chaplain actually do? You were a chaplain for many, many years with the Navy. What exactly were your duties? Are the duties of the chaplains today? A very good question. And uh, a chaplain is, again, kind of alluded to it in the history of how we've come across with the chaplaincy, is a chaplain is a pastor endorsed by a religious organization in the United States of America that's recognized. And there's, I can't even think of the number, we're close to almost 300, I believe, of different organizations that are recognized by the Department of Defense. So in our case, as a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we require that the pastor have at least two years of pastor experience, and then they would go on active duty or reserve, whatever uh, the process is, going through our process. But also the military has to take a look at them to make sure they're medically qualified, physically qualified, and so forth. So once the chaplain gets in, they really are wearing two insignia. They have the cross from the Christian faith, where I'll just talk about our Missouri Senate guys, who represent that they're a Christian, but they also have their rank. So they are a military officer. So they really do live the two kingdoms every day. They're accountable to the Uniform Code of Military Justice, where they can get in trouble if they violate any kind of rule or order. But they could also get in trouble from their church if they <laughs> if they start practicing and teaching false doctrine or things that are not in accordance with the Scripture or our confessions. That's where we can reach in as a church and say, hey, we, 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 want, we sent you to be a Missouri Senate pastor, not to be whatever other faith you're, you are. So that's why they are accountable to two masters, if you will. That was something that really intrigued me, as I, I can think of no better example of serving the two kingdoms than a military chaplain, directly in the chain of command of both. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> what uh, would the duties be of a chaplain right now on on active duty? What would this person do? Active duty, the, the first, first and foremost duties, because they are endorsed and sent by a religious body, is that they are to provide religious ministry for those folks. So, for again, for our Missouri Senate chaplains, their number one job there is because they're to provide the free exercise of our troops. So they would find Lutheran service members and provide word and sacrament ministry to them and encourage them. But of course, being in a pluralistic institution, the other part of it is, is they are to also facilitate for others. So if a Catholic uh, sailor would come up to him or airman or, or a soldier, we as a Lutheran 
chaplain would try to find them a priest because that's so they can have free exercise of their faith and and vice versa. So if their chaplain is a priest, the priest would make sure they could find a Missouri Synod Lutheran chaplain to to receive sacraments. And the grace would also extend, say, to an agnostic or to a non-Christian soldier, sailor, who would come up and say, I have a problem. I don't know how to handle it. Absolutely. That's a very good point, Kip, because probably a majority of our uh, age group is 18 to 25, and so we have the whole gamut of faith groups or those of no faith at all. And the chaplain of the unit or chaplain serving has absolute confidentiality and is caring for all, even those of no faith. So if someone would come to my office who had no faith at all, but wanted to talk, counsel about whatever situation is going on in their life, whatever personal crisis or issue with their chain of command, they could come and talk to me and they would receive absolute confidentiality and uh, have someone they could talk to. One of the most inspiring stories I read recently, um, actually, I interviewed this this gentleman. Uh, He was a a, a chaplain who was serving in Afghanistan. And he was actually at a fire base, you know, one of the the frontline fire bases. And they arrived there. And he said, the other soldiers immediately volunteered to help set up a, a little tent chapel. And uh, he, you know, he slept a little right off the side to it. And it, was, it was just an amazing thing. These these guys were in battle every day, and you know, he was hearing gunfire every day. And yet, the soldiers knew how important this was. They took time off and volunteered on their own spare time, which they didn't have a lot of, right, to help set up this this area. Absolutely, it's it's the chaplain is a key part of the command, and and uh, because it is really a person that you. You live with your congregation, and of course, it, I'm sure there's uh, good and bad chaplains, just like good and bad of any other profession or vocation. But the chaplain that lives and supports and uh, all of his uh, troops will be respected, and, and they know they can come with confidence and talk to them about any issue, and then the chaplain can hopefully, hopefully get them the help that they need. Some years ago, I interviewed an elderly gentleman who had uh, been a bomber pilot, actually as a bombardier during World War II. And uh, he told a story about how he was the only Jewish member of his squadron. And before they went on missions, the Catholic chaplain, the Protestant chaplains had always hold services for those who needed it. Now, he, as being Jewish, couldn't do that. And there was no Jewish chaplain. So one day he said the Protestant chaplain came up to him. And said, uh, what's the problem? Why aren't you going? And he said, well, I'm Jewish, and there's a Jewish chaplain. He said, do you have a, a, a prayer book? He said, yeah, but I don't read Hebrew. He said, well, give it to me. He gave it to the Protestant chaplain, and he opened it up and read Hebrew. <laughs> Obviously, it was a Lutheran. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he said, uh, from that time on, this, this Protestant chaplain greeted him after every single combat mission he flew. And he flew the whole thing. He, he flew the whole 30 missions. Absolutely. That's a, that is a great example of, you know, providing, facilitating and caring for all. And, uh, you're not, obviously we're not compromising and becoming a rabbi or pretend to be right. to, we're just helping them facilitate their religious belief. And that would be the, hopefully again, to, to flip it. If, if you, your young man or woman's chaplain was a rabbi, you would hope they would be able to get a hold of them and help them with finding a book of Concord or mm-hmm. a catechism or a hymnal or a, you know, any kind of what, what is their faith. That is the role. Yep. That's what, it really is in pluralism. You're not compromising. One of our oldest phrases that have been through the chaplain corps from the beginning is cooperate without compromise. Yeah. And that's what true pluralism is. And that's what was done, I think, in this case. I mean, obviously, he wasn't performing Absolutely. a Jewish worship service, but... He was assisting him exercise his 
Free right. religion. Yeah that's, yeah, that's awesome. It really was. It really was. I was so impressed by that. And I remember the old gentleman telling me how impressed he was by that. Because he'd had, you know, he'd had some bad experiences growing up back in the 30s and 40s when there was a lot of anti-Semitism. Right, right. And this Christian reached out to him in a way that only a, uh, only a, a spiritual leader could have done. Absolutely. That's, that's a great testimony. Mm. How many chaplains do we have serving now? Well, it, it fluctuates, seems like, almost daily, and that's my frustration. <laughs> it's because they, they, you know, they retire, and we get new ones going through chaplain school on active duty. So I always use the roundabout number of cause 60. We're kind of holding in at 60 right now, mm-hmm. which is down from last year. But we had a great uh, uh, recruiting trips that we've done, and we've got some young pastors who are interested in this kind of a ministry. So I think 60 is a safe number to say that we have that are on active duty. Um, been as high as 67 this year. So it could be a little bit higher. But we also have, which is important, reserve chaplains, which are part of the total force. So with them all combined in our civil elk patrol, we're about 157 mm. Missouri Senate chaplains who are engaging almost daily with uh, the members of our military and their families. I had read that uh, we have the third highest number of chaplains in the military, just behind the Catholics and the Baptists. That may be, I think if they number, what they do is they number all the Lutherans together. So that would uh, probably be all of them. But if we break down the Missouri Synod, we still have quite a few compared to other denominations in mm-hmm. size, but I'm sure I uh, haven't seen the numbers for a while, but like the Southern Baptist, the Roman Catholic, just because they're so huge, yeah. are, are a lot bigger. Um, but as far as, uh, you know, the mainline Lutheran uh, Missouri Synod, we're pretty high up there. And we, again, we have a long history and tradition, and it, it's just a great ministry. So it's a great opportunity. Well, as the director of mission to the to the uh, armed services, what exactly is your duty? How do you go throughout your day? What do you do on a daily basis? On a daily basis, our, our we try to stay with our priority, which is basically falls in line with uh, you know President Harrison's of uh, witness, mercy, and life together. So we are looking for chaplains, uh, young pastors who would be willing to be a witness in the uh, the military into the armed forces as a chaplain. Whether again, whether it's reserve guard or if they're open to active duty to bring Christ to a, a hard situation. You know, these young men and women are going through difficult challenges and to do that. So the recruiting is a big part of what I do, but also supporting and honoring those who are already in, you know, the, giving them uh, encouragement. Um, a lot of them are stationed in overseas isolated duty stations. A lot of them are continuing to deploy away from their families. It's not in the news a lot these days, but we do have a lot of troops deploying. And there's that separation that goes on constantly mm-hmm. that our, our chaplains are dealing with. Not only are they providing ministry to their troops who are separating, but they have their own families where they're missing birthdays, they're missing anniversaries, you know, a loved one passes away while they're deployed and they can't get back. So they're going through the same emotional, spiritual challenges as their troops. So my job is to help provide pastoral care to them and ensure they get what they need. And also supporting them when they are overseas with good uh, Lutheran resources, if you will, hymnals, Lutheran service builder, uh, devotional books, portals of prayers, anything they can use in their ministry, we're their supply line. They get a lot of that through their command money, but Lutheran-specific stuff, we can help them uh, get for them. And then the other thing is taking care of the families of uh, those who are chaplains who are deployed so they, too, aren't uh, left alone because sometimes they can be isolated. It's no different than a parish pastor. 
disaster. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the spouses get uh, live, feel like they're living in the fishbowl, you know, the glass house. Same thing for the chaplain's wife. And so we want to make sure that they're taken care of. And finally, one of the other things we do is we call uh, called Operation Barnabas, yes. where we're also taking care of all of our veterans, whether they wore the uniform for one month, went to boot camp and got disqualified to 40 years. They served our nation, and we want to encourage our congregations and empower and resource our congregations so that at the grassroots they can reach out to the veterans in their congregation and also into their community as an outreach program. So that's what a huge thing that we're trying to work with now is to support veterans and active duty wherever they are throughout America. And that's so important, going into our Veterans Day period right now. Absolutely. A lot of the returning service people from whatever war, uh, you can't always see the wounds. Sometimes for them, the fighting doesn't stop when the war ends. Absolutely. We really encourage our congregations. And we know there are a lot of them doing that on their own just because it's the right thing to do, to love your neighbor, you know, compassion and ministry to to recognize their veterans, especially during Veterans Day or through November as we celebrate uh, Veterans Day to recognize them. I think it goes back to what we talked about earlier, to encourage them and thank them because this was a vocation that they were called to serve in, whether no matter what war conflict, whether it was World War II, which are, we as we know, are a dying generation, mm-hmm. but now you have your Korean and Vietnam and, and, of course, these last few wars with the Gulf War and Iraq and Afghanistan and all the other conflicts, to let them know that we respect that what they did was an, a vocation that they were called by God to serve in the profession of arms, to defend our nation and they were working as a an honorable vocation and we thank them for their service and we and we recognize and give thanks to god for them one thing i have seen happening uh and i know many of us have observed this is that our society is now changing our faith cannot we have a basic truth we have to adhere to it this is also happening i understand with the military i think one of the things that is a concern right now is what the military is referring to sexual orientation gender and identity ordinances there has not yet been an official ruling is my understanding for example there is a gay pride uh, there's rumors of a gay pride organization within the military where people would be required to attend it. Now, it hasn't come down yet, but I know this is of concern to us, and I know that President Harrison has been involved in this as well. What has the Senate done? I know that we have written to the Defense Department. We have made inquiries. What's the status of this? A very good question. Yeah, obviously, we're very concerned, and I know a lot of folks are, of really religious liberty and freedom of conscience to to be able to not have to compromise our mm-hmm. our faith and uh, sometimes when we Every, I think what you're referring to, Kip, is that every uh, year they have monthly celebrations. And June has lately been, uh, it used to be the Gay Pride Month, and now it's LGBTQ Pride Month. I'm not sure what the final, and that's usually in June. So a lot of the questions that come from our, not only our chaplains, but also from our men and women who are Lutheran or any other faith group who believes that the you know from the Bible that you're born a man and a woman is going to have a conflict with this celebration that are they going to have to be participating in a so celebrating and making it look like they're rejoicing in the fact that this is something that goes against their conscience, but Mm -hmm. now they're forced to say one thing, but believe another thing. And so we're working, we did send in a letter to that, make sure that there were protections in place that uh, the, those of conscience who want to object will not be forced to 
deny who they are by their deeply held religious belief. And so far, I think, you know, it's nothing's official yet. They haven't responded officially yet to us that I know of. Um, but I think what we're going to see is, and this is just my uh, opinion, that I think there will be opportunities to, for protection, especially for the chaplains, that they will not be asked to compromise, um, by, just like we did when Doma fell. The chaplains aren't going to be ordered to do a, a same-sex marriage. And so I think the chaplains will have a conscience clause in their religious belief to be allowed to opt out of you know, mandatory functions that go against their faith. But the uh, the service member who is not a chaplain, it's going to be a little more challenging. And we'll wait to see uh, how that unfolds and unpacks itself. If, like, for example, if they're, if they're part of a color guard and the color guard is opening up the, the gay pride uh, event, well, the guy that carries the American flag or the Marine Corps or Navy flag, who's part of the color guard, have the option of opting out and getting somebody else to substitute for them, or the bands yes. that are mandatory to be there, or any kind of uh, other groups that have to be at these functions. Will they have an opportunity to not be part of it, or will they have to go? And and these things, are we, we, we're we waiting for guidance from... Uh, you know, as these training plans unroll this October, it started in October, and, and the training uh, for the service members will be coming. And so we'll just take it case-by-case case basis, but but obviously our number one concern is religious liberty, that our men and women who selflessly joined to serve our country, and one of the freedoms that they've signed up to join, and even into death if they had to, is freedom of religion. And it doesn't mean, which we often hear, just worship in a chapel, a building. It's the free exercise to live out their faith in their vocation. So it's a hard thing to ask anybody in the Navy, Army, Air Force, Marine Corps, Coast Guard to lay aside their religious rights when they're willing to die for it. And so we just want to protect them that they should have the opportunity to, to be Christians and serve our nation faithfully and honorably. And this is one of the uh, fights I hear consistently. I see it on the Internet. I, I've talked to people about it, is that you alluded there's a problem with freedom of worship as opposed to free exercise of religion. Not the same thing at all. And we as Lutherans and as Christians, we have to live our faith. We can't leave it at the church door. Right. Absolutely. We are called upon by God himself to proclaim. Absolutely. And of course, we all know, I think it's not just obviously the military, but that's my area, I guess, if you will, as the Minister of the Armed Forces Director. But we saw all these cases with the bakers and the photographers and Mm -hmm. who are being asked to losing their businesses because they're being told that it's not a free exercise of their religious belief to not make a cake for Mm -hmm. a, uh, or celebrate a, uh, what they would consider an unbiblical marriage or lifestyle. And that's their personal religious belief. So that's why we're kind of thinking in the military, we'll see how that unpacks, but uh, it'll be difficult time for our young men. So we certainly continue to pray for them, but we got to obey God rather than man, as uh, scriptures tells us. So we will continue to be there for chaplains as well as the men and women who serve anything we can do to support them. Chaplain Mueller, I want to thank you very much for your service to the country and your service to the Senate and for being my friend. <laughs> well, thank you, Kip. It's a pleasure to be here. And again, I want to give a shout out as we move into November to, to 
please take time to thank a veteran for their service because they have given a lot, and as well as their family members who sacrificed as well. So I wish everybody a blessed uh, Veterans Day and, of course, moving into Thanksgiving as well. Amen. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.